I'm Josh. And I'm Jade. And on this episode of Our Taste is Trash, we review Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, discuss the season premiere of HBO's The Last of Us, and talk new charges in the Alec Baldwin shooting. So remember to rate, review, and follow wherever you listen. Stick around. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome into another episode of Our Taste is Trash. I'm Josh. And I'm Jade. And Jade, I'm in Cambodia? I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be. Thailand. A country. A country in Southeast Asia right now. So uh, I'll be... uh, Ooh, you know what? I'm going to be our first... Thai slash Cambodian listener. Oh, the there you go. I'll download it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and you'll look, listen to it. Look at those uh, analytics. I'll be like, Ooh, Ooh, who is that? Ooh, oh, that was, uh, that, was us, yeah. no, that was me. No, that was me. Weekly watches. We have a lot of exciting stuff this week because we have been uh, watching. It'll be a few weeks actually. This will be about a week late, but yeah, we watched the premiere of Last of Us yes. on HBO, which is the most fun thing. But We've been catching up on a few shows that we want to talk about that maybe folks haven't had the chance to see yet. Yeah. What I need to bring up, it's it's not new necessarily. I think there's a new season out in the mm-hmm. last few weeks, but I've really been enjoying Mythic Quest recently. Yes. Well, it was so I think season three ended already. So, oh, okay. So you're you're still behind. Still way yeah. behind. I'm still in season one. Oh, Jesus. By the time this airs, I may be in, in season, season three because oh. I'll, I'm going to download some episodes for the plane. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I may be there by then. But uh, I really enjoyed the show. Like, it's it's just kind of one of those things that the storyline is good. It's not, yeah. like, amazing, but it's entertaining. It's funny. Yeah. And it's not hard to watch. No. And it's things that... It- are relatable like regardless like there's some like office humor stuff yeah. of, like that they deal with especially because our for a creative agency so i feel like some of the stuff that they deal <laughs> with like whenever they go to the art department and they're like oh can you just like quickly make like all this like bullshit for me that we may or may not even use and the art department's like oh that's gonna take like a whole day or like three days worth of time and they're like yeah, yeah yeah no it's fine yeah and they're like oh my fucking god like i'm miserable and i'm like yeah that's 100% what it's like to work in a creative field. People are just like, just do it really quick. And I'm like, this is really freaking really quick. Well, and I think it's relatable if you have a corporate job. Yes. Like, you know when the bosses try to pull a, you know, diversity day or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they have this group of, you know, elementary school girls come in oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, let's talk about women in tech. Yes. They are literally that day, there are like, th- one, there's like three <laughs> women total that work yeah. in that office. And none of them are in the office that day. So they're like, oh, yeah. let's... Let's go meet some of the female engineers. And they look across the floor and it's all men. men. And they're like, not in this so room, good. not in this room. They're, yeah, they're yeah. in another room. They're, yeah. they're not, that they're, not that we uh, separate them, but they're they're somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking good. Also, when they find the woman, this is so like something I would do is she's just like, don't go into this field. Yeah, don't it's work here. Awful. I'm thinking about quitting. Yes, actually. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She was one of the, yeah, she was one of the Programmers. coders. Yeah, yeah, coders, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but it, it's a really funny show and I, I do recommend it. It's one of those treasures on uh, Apple TV Plus. Yes. That, yeah. you know, are sometimes hard to find because they're in their stage that I feel like maybe Netflix or even H- or Amazon was in a few years ago where they're just throwing money you know, into the creative tube yep. and hoping something comes Sticks, back. Yeah. yeah. And let's face it, a lot of the shows I've watched there, I just can't continue. I've watched one or two episodes of a couple good. of their shows and shit. Like yeah. Ted Lasso's amazing. Yep. Severance is outstanding. And then there's just a couple of hidden nuggets. Yeah. All I like Home Before Dark and Physical as well. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah Physical was good. Yeah, yeah I yeah. did enjoy that. But uh, what else have you been watching this week? So I did start the premiere of Mayfair Witches on AMC. So um, this is uh, based on Anne Rice series. Um, for those who don't know, Anne Rice is also the author of Interview with the Vampire. So this stars Alexander Daddario and Jack Houston. Um, and it's kind of this like really, really dark story of these witches where a young woman played by Alexandra Daddario. She doesn't realize that she's a witch. Then she was hidden away when she was younger and she starts to develop her powers now that she's actually a uh, pediatric... Is she pediatric? Yeah, she's a pediatric neurosurgeon. Mm, Okay. But uh, she realizes she can kill people with her mind. And so this kind of starts to unlock her journey into discovering herself being, being a witch. So 
it's been it's really good so far of course it's in rice so there's like a lot of sex (laughs) (laughs) um of course there's also like a lot of unexplained things that you're like okay i guess we're gonna figure this out throughout the season which makes it you know enjoyable to watch um i do like jack houston's character he plays kind of uh the the women in the movie call him their shadow interesting yeah and he like talks to them and they're like she's the only one that can see him so it's yeah really mysterious character but uh not bad so far you think this is one of the uh shows they're trying to put forward as maybe a uh, Walking Dead replacement as that's kind of faded away finally. I think so. I feel like AMC is creating like an Anne Rice universe and they're trying to pull in those audiences because they're, you know, built in audiences are yeah. the way to go when you are unsure. Because no one's watched. I mean, I, I know there's another spin off series of The Walking Dead called like Fear the Walking Dead. It, no, it's Jesus so Christ. fucking horrible. No, 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 no. It's so bad. Who's watching that? No yeah. one. I haven't even finished as a person who made it through whatever 12 seasons of the walking dead Ugh. i still haven't finished the final season like it just dropped on netflix and i can't because i have a 16 hour plane ride i might download a couple of those episodes wow. just so i can be like bless you yeah just yeah i, I just want to see it. i you know sometimes Jade, you got you got to see it through <laughs> you got to see it, you know <laughs> like i felt that way when i got to the end of how i met your mother where i stuck with it that long and i was like i just have to see it through and i was yeah beyond angry at the end of that show and i'm probably gonna feel the same way at the end of the walking dead i, yeah. I don't doubt it yeah uh quick spoiler note for folks who are looking for new movies trash alert i should say oh the pale blue eye on netflix Ooh. just dropped it is you know i i thought it was kind of my thing you know it's it's gothic. It's yeah. period piece. It's supposed Edgar to be Allan Poe. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. It's supposed to be a what am I? Am I thinking of crime thriller? Like there's yeah, they're solving like a, a mystery, mystery kind yeah. of a thing. And of course, it stars uh, Christian Bale. So I'm like, it's can't go good, wrong right? with Christian Bale, right? Yeah. Like, and don't get me wrong, he has some good acting in it. But you have to wade through an hour and a half of <laughs> movie to get to his decent acting. Jesus like, Christ. it's a lot. And it also stars. Um, Harry Milling, who probably you don't hmm. recognize, but the name most people wouldn't, but he plays most famously uh, Dudley Dursley in the oh, Harry he, Potter series. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has, I know I've seen him in other things post Harry Potter. Yeah. He either has gotten really skinny or he dropped a ton of weight for this role because he looked almost unhealthy skinny in this film. He's been really thin for a while. Um, I mean, Guys might not recognize him. He's been in The Old Guard. Uh, he was in the new uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, Queen's Gambit. He was also in The the Devil All the Time, um, His Dark Materials. Like, he's been consistently yeah. keeping an acting job. But he's lost a ton of weight post-Harry Potter, so. I, I remember he lost, I mean, I know he wasn't as large as he was in the show, but I mean, he still, like, looked, like, extra skinny in this role for whatever reason. Uh, uh, also, some alumni from Harry Potter, though, in that film, even though I don't recommend watching it, uh, you have <laughs> Timothy Spall and Toby Jones, who both have roles in this oh, film as well. Yep. all right. I was like, wow, it's a little, little uh, cast reunion, little reunion here, it seems to be. But, well, I feel like when you're British, you're either, you've been in Lord of the Rings or you've been in Harry Potter, or you've been in both. <laughs> yeah, or you've been, or you've been in both. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it just, I was really looking forward to this film, and I don't know what happened. It's, it's... 45 minutes too long and it's not I mean, a murder mystery the run time is a full two hours yeah and we talked about this before it's like uh, it doesn't need to be there's yeah. a lot of movie they literally explain the ending three times i don't want to spend the whole show talking about this yeah. it's just take my word for it if you want to skip it skip it don't don't bother yeah but jade what i really want to talk about this week yes is the new premiere not so new at this time but the Last of Us yes, might be the new best show right now on HBO Max. God. I've watched the premiere twice. Yep. Because, and even I picked up a few extra things the second watch through and I was, yeah. I'm so, because I don't know if you did what I did, Jade. I watched the premiere, then immediately went to TikTok. My whole page was The Last of Us. Yeah. Everyone's spouting their theories. And I went back and watched it again yes. to see if I could spot my own and come up with my own theories as yeah. well. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. Like, I think I watched TikTok like a day later than Link You. So you were already like on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as soon as like more stuff started popping up on my TikTok about it, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go back and watch it now because people are like, this, did you see this? And did you pick up on this? And I'm like, oh my fucking God, I got to do a rewatch. But honestly, like, this is making me want to keep my HBO Max subscription because, as we know, so much content has been taking off, t- taken off the platform. Actually, yeah. this past weekend, I was like, you know, I just kind of want to put something on that I've seen before that 
I don't really have to pay attention to. And my go-to, I love the new Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, let me put that on. And it's always been on HBO Max because it's uh, one of their, you know, movies. Gone. Gone. What? Gone from the app. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm terrified it's, it's going to happen to Peacemaker. Or uh, not Peacemaker, uh, Suicide Squad. I hope not. Well, I would think they might want to keep that stuff on there just because they're going to have more content and they're going to have another season of Peacemaker. So hopefully, uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, this is a brand new series that's been much anticipated on HBO. It's Mm -hmm. based on a video game of the same name called The Last of Us. In fact, I think there's two in that series. I've Mm -hmm. never played. Have you played, Jade? Are you familiar with it? I haven't. I am familiar. I had an ex who played. I would watch sometimes. So like I have caught glimpses of the story, but I don't know the whole story. So uh, just for who's starring in this, we have uh, Pedro Pascal Uh, (laughs) starring and also (laughs) uh, Bella Ramsey from the game, most notably from the Game of Thrones series. Mm -hmm. Also from the movie Birdie. If you haven't seen that, you should definitely go see that film as well. Also Gabriel Luna. And then later in the season, we're going to have Nick Offerman is going to make an appearance. So I saw him in the trailer. Also Murray Bartlett. Oh, yeah, yeah, Murray Bartlett. Who we tar- see quite often on this uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in a number of things, including uh, White Lotus, of course, yes. and uh, one of our canceled shows from HBO that we're sad to see go, The Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah. So he, yeah, it's good to see him in more things. Nico Parker is also in it, who is Tendway Newton's daughter, who plays Sarah Miller. Oh, wild. I know. Isn't that crazy? Wow, look at that. Did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the whole premise of this, it's, I'm, I don't want to call it a zombie movie because it is a little bit that, but it's so much different. It's, it's a, it's kind of like a zombie movie to me mixed with Resident Evil a little bit. It's like a post-apocalyptic pandemic film. Yes. Yeah. And they explain, I think they do a great job, by the way, of oh. setting it up, explaining it. And, but yes. then also for gamers, Dropping these fun little nuggets, and that's what I've been watching a lot of. Same. So people who are very intimately, like, know the story of The Last of Us, have played the games, have been doing these side-by-sides on TikTok of, like, the scenes from the game with scenes from the series, and they're almost, like, shot for shot, like... Uh, what is it like line for line yeah even the, even the camera movements uh, one of the ones I saw is not to give too much away there's this beginning scene that's very chaotic there's yes. people running around they're in a car the car flips over there's you know fire like all sorts of stuff apparently not even just the shots but the actual camera speed or yeah. the, uh, the camera movements are almost identical to the cinematics that you see in the yeah. game there and I mean it's just crazy it's insane. and it also goes to show how well done the game was I will say, even as a person who hasn't watched, who hasn't played the game, the lighting to me in this show is very good. Like anyone who's played a lot of video games mm. that really tell a story and have a lot of little cinematic moments, just the lighting styles they use, you can tell someone really spent a lot of time studying the textures, yep. studying the color palettes of the game. And I think really brought that through, which to me just signals we're in for a treat like yes. for this entire series. When you like, have people that actually care about the source material and want to stay true to the source material, I think is when you're going to be the most successful. Well, and I think too, when you have avid fans of something that's already been established, yeah. getting more excited after they've seen the premiere, like that's huge to me. And it's I mean, rare. And that's rare. Like <laughs> most of the time, I mean, we know this, we're, we're guilty yes. of this ourselves. Like you'll read a book or, and you'll watch the show or watch mm-hmm. the movie. And immediately you're like, yeah, that was good. But yep. I've hardly heard a but in no. this premiere. I mean, we have, what, eight episodes to go, I think, or uh, ten. I can't remember how many they it's said. nine, yeah. Nine episodes in this. So there could be room for that. But uh, one thing, I want to talk about this, Jade. What's your theory on the infection and how it happens? Because I'll give this a little bit away. In the game, they say it's grain yes. or, or failed crops. So have yeah. you, did you notice anything throughout the yeah, so after I heard the Green Theory on TikTok, I and I did my rewatch, as was part of my doing the rewatch, was that you notice that the characters that we're following in the beginning are not eating any sort of bread or grain or like wheat um, foods. And you do specifically see the neighbor. The neighbors mentioned biscuits, and then you see the neighbor feeding biscuits to her mother. And then she also mentions cookies later on. And but at no point does you know uh, it's Tommy and Sarah and um, uh, Joel. Uh, Joel, yeah. yeah. None of them are seen or that we know of has eaten any grain. So 
the theory is is that somehow this fungal spore lives in like some sort of infected grain and that the people who have been eating it have been infected with it and of course it spreads so um i i i can't wait to see um how that pans out and if that's that's continued and i'm also interested so i i was really going into game lore because i really wanted to start to understand the world more and understand how they're going to handle this um i i didn't watch i want to go back and watch the uh director's commentary i didn't get to watch all of that but yes it's interesting in the game is there are areas, you know, when they go outside the safe zones, there yeah. are spores. There are literal spores that are floating around in the air. And yes. that's one way you can get infected. And they have to wear gas masks. And they were talking about how that's not practical in the movie sense, in the TV sense. Because they're like, how would our people just know, oh, look, there's spores. Like, we should put on our masks now and not get infected. Like, right. that wouldn't make much sense. They're like, in the game, it kind of does because you can see them and your character kind of says, hey, this is a bad area. Yeah. They figure it out. So they said they're going to play with the way it spreads a little bit differently. Which I can also see, too, because on film, if you have a bunch of people in masks, gas masks, you yeah. see their face, it's hard to hear them. So you kind of have to adapt based on that as well. And I think that's why they're also showing us that you know, this can be spread in some way. It seems like through biting or skin to skin or it's a bodily Some sort fluids. of contact, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say what's really interesting is they actually got some of the voice actors from the games to reprise roles or play additional Ooh. roles in the show. So Marl Dandridge, um, she actually reprises her role. So she was the voice of Marlene in the games and then she's actually playing Marlene in the show. Oh, that's crazy. Um, which I love. And then we also have Ashley Johnson, who was the voice of Ellie. She's playing a different character. Troy Baker, who plays Joel. Um, he'll play another character. And then Jeffrey Pierce, who plays Joel's brother, Tommy, is also a new character. But uh, Merle Dandridge, which gave an interview um, talking about coming back as Marlene, and she was like, had they done this series at the same time I was doing The Voice, I don't think I would have been cast because I don't think that I was the right age. Oh. I was, yeah, and like she's like, I don't think I had that gravitas like physically and she's like but now that they're doing it now she's like i feel like i'm the perfect age it's the perfect time for me to physically embody the character and i was like how freaking cool is that that's awesome i mean one of the spoilers that i saw and i had to go back and see it for myself because someone did a little zoom in on on this (laughs) so you know much like any video game all of the different i'll call them bad guy characters or creatures all have different names yeah so there's this one character, and it sounds like a fairly common enemy that you would come across in the game. It's called a clicker. And oh. they're essentially have been, their bodies have been completely mutilated by the virus. Mm-hmm. And they can't see, so they use sonar or clicks to find their way around. Mm. And what's interesting is in the final, final scene, way in the upper left-hand corner as they're, you know, the Joel and and everyone else is is kind of going out after they... Um, escape a little bit oh, there. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're uh, walking out, you know, towards that compound, and on one of the apartment buildings, you can just kind of see it in the lightning flash. There's a creature who that they identified as a clicker. Yeah, and he's just losing his shit. He's just sitting up there screaming, and someone was like. Was, oh, someone played the game and they said, yes. I never thought about this, but they're like, because you don't see these creatures in the game outside of interactions with right. them. They're like, it would totally make sense that this creature that relies on sonar mm-hmm. would be losing his shit in a thunderstorm yeah. because everything is just so overwhelming so that he yeah. can't figure anything out. And I was like, that's mind blowing. Like you spent so time thoughtful. You spent time putting something, a new idea out there in an area of the frame that ninety nine percent of people watching this aren't going to notice. But yes. you left that little Easter egg for people who are gonna watch this over and, and over know. again. That that level of detail just like makes me excited about this entire series oh absolutely i yeah i mean again i think the the attention to detail the level of quality brought to it the fact that they you know have stuck so true to the games they've even had they even have the same composer who did the soundtrack for the games doing the soundtrack for the show it's like it just seems to me like they put so much thought into it i think that's a formula for a great this great show this is exactly what I wanted Resident Evil to be. Yes. This is what I wanted the new series. And like, look, yes. I enjoyed the new season of, you know, Resident Evil. Sure. But I yeah. also understand why it was canceled. Exactly. No, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Like this, when I say, like there's not too many premieres that I watch and I'm like, 
this is amazing and I want to watch all of it. Yeah. Like, no, I was blown away by the first episode. I think I yeah. texted you like 30 minutes in of yeah. me watching and I was like, Josh, we need to watch. You, you need to watch right this now. Right yeah. now. And like, drop what you're doing. Drop what you're doing and watch. Yeah. And yeah, seriously, like, it's it's way too early to say this is going to be the best mo- show of the year, but I can it's I can guarantee you it's going to be top three. It's yes. going to be in my top three for sure. With, oh. And that's just seeing one episode. Yeah. That's just seeing one episode. Of course. So, also, you know, I just realized when we were talking about Bella Ramsey being Game of Thrones alum, so is uh, Pedro Pascal. That's right. He was Oberyn Martell. You know, I just Jane, I just had this conversation with <laughs> I think I think with Danielle, my wife, and I was like, "Hey, I was like, it's great to see uh, the Game of Thrones alumni coming back." She was like, "Pedro Pascal wasn't in Game of Thrones." I said, uh, uh, "Excuse me, season one, Oberyn. Come on, oh, one of the most yeah. iconic scenes with the thumbs through the eye. Come yes. on, everyone, everyone remembers that." Yeah. Like, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But they weren't Anyways. in any scenes together, so that, yes. that's why it could be confusing. So. Yeah, well, because yeah, the, I, they actually never shared a screen, or I think even same time frame. So. I don't even know if they were actually in the same shooting locations because they weren't because they were different seasons. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, I think different countries because I think yes. all of Oberyn scenes have they shot in what was it Croatia? Yeah, where I think that's where a lot of the King's Landing stuff happens, yep. and I think most of that winter stuff was like. Northern Ireland or like Scotland or something like yes. that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Little uh, Game of Thrones trivia that might be correct <laughs> or not correct. We're not sure. We don't know. But uh, since I don't have a clever transition, Jade. Movie review. First look. Let's talk about our movie this week, yes. which is 1999, one of the best years for film. Yep. Uh, As we determined. <laughs> the <this> Mummy <laughs> starring... Rachel Weisz and Brendan Fraser. And, you know, we really wanted to watch this because we had just watched The Whale a few weeks ago with Brendan Fraser and his big yeah. comeback role. Jane, this may shock you, and I've, I've alluded to this several times mm-hmm. on the show. It's official. I watched the opening scene of The Mummy. I had never seen that movie in my life. I, I know there's like three key scenes that I've seen from this film, but I... I've never watched it from the beginning to the end. Honestly, I'm I'm just so upset right now. Like, <laughs> I just cannot believe that you've never watched this film all the way through. Like that's what is that? What is it like? I it was it was eye opening. I, I feel like I missed I, something. In you my did. Life. Yeah. This is a cultural like I icon. Like, but, but see, like I knew enough about it. Like I knew the the lines. Like I knew I knew the the, 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 the wrong side of the river. I knew the camel scene. Sure. I knew the packing scene with. You know, Rachel Weiss, the one where they're going oh, around. Yeah. I mean, she's packing and he unpacking. Packing, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that that's classic. And I've seen some of the death scenes as well. So like, I feel like I had seen parts of it, but never you just have to watch. Never watch that. Whole. So, oh my god, it's Jade, wild. It's, I mean, do I even have to ask your first thoughts? Like maybe just a, a couple. Guys, of Guys, one of my notes. favorite movies of all time. <laughs> I own it on DVD. I watch it a couple times a year. Like, I mean, this is like this to me. It's just everything I love in a movie. It's fun. It's funny. There's action. There's adventure. A little bit of horror. You know, I think they balance the story so well because, you know, they take what is essentially is a very serious story about, you know, this character Imhotep who basically fell in love with the Pharaoh's daughter. They had this kind of or I think it's his wife. Sorry, the Pharaoh's wife. I thought it was like more concubine situation. I think it is. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But anyway, so but falls in love with her. It's this forbidden romance. And so he is doomed to be mummified alive and creates this curse upon anyone who opens it. And then we skip to the 1930s. There's a, a war happening. And basically there's the character Rick O'Connell and he and you know, a group of people, they kind of stumble across his rest to final resting place. And so um, Evie, played by Rachel Weiss, she's a historian and a, a librarian, and she's always wanted to know more. I think it's like her family or something. But yeah. either way, she goes on this journey to Egypt to, along with Rick O'Connell to uncover this for someone who I think like pays her and sets across this like you know it's it's a classic adventure film it is yeah and it's based also on the loosely based on the classic universal horror film the, the mummy, mummy. Yeah. uh i think the the egyptian storyline or i should say the pharaoh storyline yes. is probably the one that most closely correlates to the original mummy yes and then Everything, Everything else, else is, is completely different. O- different, yeah. yeah. Open to interpretation. With they still that. have like Imhotep and Anux and Amun and like everything, but yeah, these are completely new characters. I will say one of the things I enjoyed, and I forget this because we're in such an age of, 
you know, Marvel movies and DC movies that are all green screenshot and everything is <laughs> yes. computer animation these days. I miss a movie with good practical effects. Oh my and God, this yeah. movie had it. And that's probably one of the things I enjoyed the most about this film is just seeing like yep. real. I mean, you you knew you were in a film studio sometimes. Sure. But even so, like even just some of the physical effects, you're like, wow, that's yes. a person doing that. That's not a green screen. Like yeah. that's a person doing they that. They filmed in Marrakesh and Morocco for the vast majority of it. And then everything else, like some of the big stuff that you saw were practical, like the hail storm that happened was literally painted dog food that they rained down. It was real <laughs> locusts and rats that the actors had to work with. The scarabs crawling from underneath the sand were as actually like um was air that was like pumped through like these little pumps that would like pop up through the sand Ooh, weird yeah to give that effect and you can see it because the scenes that are cgi which are you know parts of the arnold vinsley as the mummy when he's kind of reforming you could tell it's cgi and you know it's good. well i think the only reason now you can tell is because it's it's old like right it's well, years exactly. old, and now you're like so oh the that quality looks, is different yeah. so it's nice that they have so much practical effects because the look of it still holds up and it still feels so real watching it exactly well we're going to talk more about The Mummy in 1999 with Brendan Fraser. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and give our full review. Come on back. And now, our feature presentation. Where did you get this? On a dig down in Thebes. Jonathan, I think you found something. There is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. They call it the doorway to hell. Where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. They sought to unlock its treasure. And then there was light. Oh, boy. What they did... Oh, my God. It does exist. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. ...was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known. You must not read from the book! You have unleashed the creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. Our movie this week is The Mummy, made in 1999, one of the best years for film, starring Brendan Fraser. Actually, really just starring so many people. I mean, when we look at this film, you have Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, John Hanna, which Mm -hmm. I think is a face that people recognize, but... He has a pretty well-known voice, too. He's Scottish, and he just has this, like kind of whiny high pitch <laughs> so maybe if you like movies like this like i do uh he's from the 90s version of four weddings and a funeral mm-hmm. had a starring role in that just in the last of us yes is one of the scientists right in the beginning yeah. so he's in that what, what other iconic roles am i missing from john hannah I'm, I'm looking here through his list i just feel like he's one of those guys that like you see and you're like oh yeah i know him uh, yeah, I know he does. I mean, he's played like some smaller roles. He was in the movie Overboard, or sorry, I should say the remake movie Overboard. Um, he was in Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which I highly recommend. Um, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He is actually in 27 episodes of oh. that and for Marvel. So, Interesting. Yeah. We also have Oded uh, Frere, right? Ugh, say, Oded who, Frere. Uh, yeah. Who I just clicked for me, Jade, is from the Resident Evil series. Yes. So he it, actually was doing Resident Evil after The Mummy. Oh, was he from the first Resident Evil? I know he was in some of the later ones. No, he's in the, I think the second one is when they meet him for the first time. Because the first one's only about them being in the the underground bunker. And the second one That's is when right. they actually go into the city. And I think he works for whatever that milits like paramilitary company from i think umbrella right they're right yeah, yeah. i think you're right now, yeah. he plays the character of uh, carlos in in yes. the resident evil series uh movies um and i'm trying to think there's one more oh i can't can't not talk about the mummy and not talk yeah, about arnold vaslu arnold vaslu but i was thinking of patricia vasquez who plays oh, uh nux on a moon uh, yeah <laughs> i was like Uxla. i'm like josh is gonna <laughs> <Namun>. <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> but uh, she's fantastic. Also, everyone in all actors in this fucking movie are in their physical prime. Oh, my God. Right? Yes. Everyone looks so good. Like, Brendan Fraser is fucking... I forgot how jacked Brendan Fraser was oh, back I, in the I day. I never did. <laughs> <laughs> that lives rent-free in my head. All the all times. But also, Patricia Vasquez within the first five seconds of the movie, like, yeah. literally comes out because almost naked. She's So, Patricia Velasquez is basically naked the entirety of the film. She is in full body paint from head to toe with just a small piece of cloth covering her downstairs area <laughs> and that's about it so she has to be in like peak physical form to you know to pull something like that off even john hannah who's had a great career in you know a lot of stuff, i i picture him now older because i've seen him so much same but he was when not you, an unattractive person and it's funny that you say that too because i think I watched it when I was younger, and that's how it like was stuck in my brain. So he was old in my mind. Yeah. And then now I think I've seen John Hanna older now. And then whenever I go rewatch this, I'm like, I'm actually very attractive. It's like, <laughs> I, there's not an ugly person in this movie no. at all. Even I mean, Arnold Bosley looks fantastic, you know, because he has to be shirtless. That is true. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. Yeah. And a dead fair. Mm. Always looks good. <laughs> yeah. Especially this, too, because he's like, you know, even compared to Resident Evil, he's not gray yet. And that's where we see oh, him. Oh, I love a silver fox. <laughs> but him with the long hair in this, I'm feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this film is also written and directed by Stephen Summers, who, for anyone who was around in the 90s really watching films, he mm-hmm. did a whole number of things. He did, obviously, the entire Mummy series, even the Scorpion King. Mm-hmm. He did, uh, actually, oddly enough, I was really digging back through his stuff, and he was a writer for Tom and Huck, The Jungle Book, the live action from 94. Oh, yeah. Oh, love that one, too. And The Adventures of Huck Finn in 93. Yeah, he's very much an adventure writer. He's also done the Van Helsing movie, and then That's a movie right. that I really love, Odd Thomas. Um, so I don't yeah. think I've actually seen that. So Oh, yeah. highly recommend. You should definitely watch that. Maybe later on the show. Yeah. So let's dive into this <laughs> film. Uh, for those who may have forgotten about it, Jade, uh, what's a maybe brief description of what this movie is about? So at an archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamanoptera, an American serving in the French Foreign Legion accidentally awakens a mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation of his long lost love. Well, I'm going to start out with the hardest question, probably for you in this, Jade, right Ooh. off the bat. Okay. What's trash about the mummy? Wow. Um, honestly, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really do struggle, actually, because for me, I think this is the perfect example of, like, this is a two-hour-long film that doesn't feel like it's two hours. I actually always thought Agreed. this movie was 90 minutes until I looked at the runtime for this, and I was like, Holy shit, this is two hours. Like, they use every minute of screen time to tell us a story. And really, I would say, I I don't know. I don't know, Josh. Maybe you know. Maybe you know what's trash. You know know what? I didn't have a whole lot. I mean, I I did have a few things. This is my first first watch through of the entire thing. Yeah. And I I got to a point where I was like, okay, so this is obviously a little tongue-in-cheek. Like, part of the movie... In the beginning, they set you up as a really straight edge kind of film. You're watching this and you're going, I yes, know. Oh, it feels very serious. This is serious yeah. and maybe a little terrifying and yeah. it's going to, I don't know, be what. And then they kind of transition you. They kind of introduce uh, Rachel Weiss's character. They introduce Brendan Fraser and you're like, okay, so there's like a little bit of camp. Like I'm, I'm yes. getting that a little bit. Yeah. I struggle in this movie. One of the things, because I love Rachel Weiss, mm-hmm. I struggle with her character in this because. <gasps> She, I'm so used to, and I think maybe it's my own biases because I'm so used to watching. Is it because her, you're a misogynist? No, I, the opposite. <laughs> I, I'm used to watching Rachel Vice in very powerful female lead roles. Yes, but thinking she about like Constant Gardner, always have to be that. That's, she doesn't that's always have to be that. What being an actor is. No, I understand that. Okay, I just felt like. I don't know. Her character had not much to offer the Whoa. entire the She entire did all of the film. translations, and it's because of her that they were able to translate the books that stopped the curse and that basically stopped the mummy. I mean, she also, but to be fair, it's also her fault that the mummy woke up. Yeah, but they didn't know that because they were like, <laughs> what do the inscriptions mean? And so she was reading it out loud to the people that asked her about it. So before she knew it, she was saying the curse. That's the whole point. Also, you know what I found cringy? I think what set me off the whole thing. Okay. You know the the where she goes with her brother to save Brendan Fraser mm-hmm. in the beginning? 
the whole kiss thing was kind of odd for me. Oh, it was very forced, a cringy. Yeah, it, it's it's classic. I think nineties. I think it is not. It, it, that I think that threw me off a little yeah. bit. I was like, this is a little, but not the, not the fact that like it happens, but then like the fact that she fantasizes about it afterwards. I'm yes, like, yes, exactly. I think that's. That is what the sticking point for me like, is. Because she almost swoons after it happens. She does. Yeah, and realistically, that's not really something. I, Even if he was attractive, you'd still be like unsure of like this is weird. I think, and I think so. I'll I'll, I'll backtrack. I think that I agree. I I love the parts of her where she's the librarian and yeah. she's doing the studying. It's the romantic. The romantic part of this honestly felt forced at times between her and Brendan Fraser, uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think it's just because of how they met in the beginning. It just it just felt like they had to force it the entire time. No, yeah. I don't get that. I, I think the chemistry is fantastic. <laughs> I was feeling it. Sparks were flying. Um, I mean, hey, listen. I think the true love story, though, is between Imhotep and... Anoks and Amun. Yeah, that for me. Absolutely. Even when they were mummies and ugly, They're I was stronger. like... stronger. That's a way stronger could, love story. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. But for me, I think that was about it. Uh, yeah, was I, really... and I can agree. I, I think, yeah. Oh, like one, more, one more thing. One more oh, thing. Oh, Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, and very important because I want to. I don't want to forget this. Okay. Brandon Fraser machine gunning shooting sand. Trash. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, there there is a wave of sand chasing them down in an airplane, and he starts shooting fifty cal bullets into it. And I was like, what is what is this going to do? What is happening right now? So, he's just screaming. Ah, like, what I think it is, is I don't think he's like trying to shoot into the sand. It's because the mummy Emotep is still physically there. He's just pushing the sand thing forward. And I think in his mind is because he can't see through yeah. the sand. I think he's like, maybe this this gun's bullets will reach through and actually hit Maybe. him down on the I, ground. He was aiming at the face of the sand. I don't know. Like, it was wild. That Obviously, was just, I'm biased. That part was wild to me. I was like, okay, there's a lot I've suspended disbelief for, but like, why are you shooting the also, fucking sand? You just got to let out a little stress. Yeah. And sometimes maybe shooting 50 cal gun into a sand face helps alleviate. That. Also, I hope I'm not spoiling a 24 year old movie for anyone out there, God, but like, no. I had no emotions when that pilot died. No, Zero. but also they made it comedic. Like he died yeah. frozen stiff with a smile on his face. <laughs> and even Rick was kind of like, oh, okay. Everybody's like six a minute. I'm like, we met this guy four seconds ago. Yeah. I have no idea who this is. Why are we I taking- don't think you were meant to be sad at all. No. I think it was supposed to be a little bit funny. I didn't understand why we were taking a beat. I was like, couldn't, it would have been funnier if they just blew up the plane and it just like, Well, because they, they don't want them to look heartless. Yeah, I guess. You know what I, I mean? But I yeah, I, I don't know. Great Also, job. Also, you know what? I'm going to throw this out in controversy before we move on. Whoa, okay. I feel bad for Benny. No. I feel I feel bad for him. What do you mean? I feel, he, you know what? The, He's a fucking snake from the know, beginning you know to what? the end. It, He's greedy, I can and that's what gets him killed. I can understand the anger from Brendan Fraser in the beginning when he like closes him out the door, but then he just abuses that guy throughout the entire movie. Yeah, but he deserves it. It's, I don't know. Because. so bad for that guy. Are He's scared. Rick would He's have scared. died. He's a scared man inside. No, Benny could have. <laughs> he knew. He knew that Rick could have gotten through too. He closed the door because he was selfish and he only wanted to save himself this, and didn't care about Rick. And therefore, Rick is punishing him in a light-hearted way. This is not a Titanic situation. There was no time. Benny had to get behind that door, and he, you know, he had to Josh, look out for number one. There was so much fucking one. time to let Rick through. What are you talking not about? Not enough time. Not enough. <laughs> so long to close that door <laughs> jade i i'm with benny i would have closed that door right away <laughs> and then i would be rick and i would be fucking torturing you every minute of it jade, since coming I back you if i was running and you were there you would have closed that door right in my face agree <laughs> but <laughs> but i'm not on that side of the door <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to it. So someone, you'll definitely have more to say in this segment. Yes. What was what is treasure about this? Oh my god! What is Might it? have to narrow it down to like two, you know like three. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> um. So uh, personally, so I already talked about the practical effects. I think there's just so many great scenes that showcase kind of. They make it scary without being overly scary. Like, they use shadows quite a few um, times throughout the film. So you see, like, um, one of the deaths of one of the three men that opens the case. You see him kind of get, like, the life drained from him. But it's Mm. only, like, his shadow up against the wall. And it's kind of scary and, and, and creepy, but you're not seeing it directly. And I think that effect works so well. And there's a couple different times they show that as well. Like, uh, when he first, I think, 
comes out and we see like the shadow of the mummy on the wall before we actually physically see the mummy. And I think that allows audiences to kind of use their imagination and almost makes it more horrifying because your mind can go to different places. And I think it's an older film technique that they probably pulled from the original 1930s film that I think worked really well for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's... I will say it's an enjoyable movie from beginning to end. If you just like a good classic action film, yeah, it, it the runtime. I, I'm going to point that out. Yeah, I totally agree on that point, Jade. This is a two-hour movie that deserves to be a two-hour movie. Yes. There is enough material. There's enough that keeps you interested. Yeah. There's never a moment where you're like, oh, I'm bored now and right. and want to step outside this. Yeah. You know. And I also think there's something to be said for ensemble casts. Yes. You know, like, yes, this movie, obviously, Brendan Fraser was a massive star when this came Mm -hmm. out. Rachel Weisz was fairly well known. I don't know that she was a massive star in 99. Not in American films. Okay. I don't think she was well known in America, like America. Because there's a lot of stuff after this where she becomes, she starts getting nominated. She blew up. Like, I remember watching her in The Constant Gardener in 2005. That was a huge film. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of, uh, she was in The Fountain the year after that Mm -hmm. in Darren Aronofsky film with uh, Hugh Jackman. I mean, she really blew up after this. uh, And I think this is why. It's shocking for me to go back and see her a little bit like this because this is not a role that she normally had played. Well, played post, I think, The Mummy, really. Because she only, she only did the first two, right? She didn't do any of the No, post- so she she didn't do the third one. Okay. Um, they replaced her with Maria Bello and it was just trash. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think like... Not only that, but like having so many characters in a scene, there's not yeah. a ton of scenes where there's only like one to two people, you know? Exactly. And, and I mean, most of these people, and I know some of them are fairly well known even at the time, yes. have gone on to do so many more things. But I mean, there's something to be said for casting, especially I feel like this is a very 90s thing mm-hmm. where you have your, you know, kind of A-listers, your mm-hmm. B-listers, your C-listers, and yep. they all work together in this great ensemble yes. to fit even the smallest roles that you wouldn't think like, oh, you know, I think now they might cast that with a brand new actor or with, you know, someone they don't have to pay very much or not even worry about some of those other characters as much, you know, and maybe just give them some throwaway lines. But I mean, you can tell that even some of these characters, supporting characters who maybe only were in six, seven, eight minutes of the movie Mm -hmm. really took some time to think about their character development. That's like one of my favorites is actually the warden, Gat Hassan, who like is played by Omid uh, Jalili and... um, he is one of my favorite characters, even though he's like briefly in the movie, he dies pretty early on. Um, but he's just so he's like a very specific character, you know, like he's this kind of like snake oil salesman slime ball. He's the one that's, you know, because uh, he's, he's the warden of the prison. So mm-hmm. He's the one that strikes, strikes the deal to get Rick O'Connell released. But he's like, but I'm going along with you because if you're looking for treasure, then I'm coming because I want a piece of that treasure. <laughs> and the whole time he's just always kind of like. He's very cheap. So he doesn't spend money on doing anything, but he's also very greedy. And so, like, he's the one that's picking the scarabs off the walls because he thinks they're jewels and doesn't realize they're live scarabs. And I think it's so fitting the way that he dies. But, like, his whole performance for probably being on the screen for all of maybe, like, total of, like, 15 minutes, it stands out to me. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I totally agree with, with something like that. Well, Jade, kind of moving on here, though, who do you think had the best performance in this whole film? This is hard. Uh, probably, I mean, it's going to be Brendan Fraser. Like, he's the lead, and I think he does that perfect job of walking both serious but charming and yet funny at the same time. Like, he's goofy without, but, but still being, like, the brash hero, you know? So you still see him as he's strong, he is smart, and he is capable, but he has his flaws. He's not the most intelligent everything and at the same time he's also not like i'm always saving everyone else he gets saved a lot too like i love the scene on the boat with like evie when literally like she pulls him out of the way right before a bullet comes and hits him and he realizes (laughs) like oh shit like she just saved my life not only once but twice because she saved him from being hanged and then she saved him from being shot and so you know i just love that that dynamic and i think he i mean it's brendan fraser so he's the king of kind of the himbo character right yeah 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 you know i mean i think brendan fraser i, I knew you were gonna bring it up so i wanted to pick someone yeah. else because there really <laughs> is such talent here to me it's a it's a toss-up uh you know brendan fraser gr- great but 
I think John Hanna and Arnold Vosloo, to me, were, had some great performances in this. Because, I mean, oh my God. John Hanna almost had to play the funny man to a funny man. Yes. Like, Brendan Fraser isn't really a straight man in this. Like, he is mm-hmm. the action star, and he has some serious moments. But he also has a ton of comedic timing and a ton of comedic moments in this. And John Hanna almost has to play the comic to that. Yes. Which I think is difficult, you know, considering you also have Rachel Weisz sitting right there, mm-hmm. Arnold Vosloo on the other side of you. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're having to make moments in these scenes. And it, it was just... He was like this tension cutter for me in some of these scenes yeah. where things were going on. And you're like, oh, this is this is interesting. Like I get into this character. Yeah, he helped certain moments not be so serious, but also kind of alleviated the mood a little bit so that younger audiences like myself, because I was eight years old when I watched this, um, could enjoy the scene without it making it feel too dark or yeah. scary or making it, you know, just bring, bringing it down. And and to me, like Arnold Vosloo as well, you know, playing the you know Imhotep or you know the mummy character, yeah. he had to play you know this straight dramatic role in the midst of yeah. all of this chaos going on. And I yeah. was like, how did he keep it together most of the time? Because like there is, it's almost like there's a completely different movie happening in parallel to his character. There truly is, and I. I agree with that. I think his performance is so amazing because he keeps that intensity throughout the entire film. He's very direct. He knows what he wants. He's like, I'm here to resurrect my love, Anuksa and Moon. And he keeps that kind of intent throughout the film. He never loses his purpose. And I think that can happen a lot in movies when, you know, you you forget what your character's motivations are. And I think, too, that's what keeps, like, the seriousness of this movie in check. And what I mean by that is you actually believe bad things can happen. Yeah. Because the rest of the movie is so action-packed and, Mm -hmm. like, kind of campy that you're like, oh, this is just kind of goofy and, you know, like, no one's really going to die. And then you see his character and some of the shit he does and you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. There is an imminent danger out there and something bad could happen to some of these characters. And people are dying. And people are dying. like, holy shit. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is actually serious. Serious. So when he comes on, he's that much more believable when you're watching the things that he he does and and says. And again, I I love that they keep... They kept his character straight through the whole thing because in the end, when he does resurrect or, you know, yeah, no, he does. He does resurrect an Oaks on the yeah. moon. You see that he's like, this is what I wanted. This is what I've been working towards. And you, he, again, never loses that. And I think that was such a smart decision. So, Jade, I was literally just writing down quotes as I was going. I'm sure you oh, don't there's need many notes for this. so many. Uh, what are some of your favorite quotes in this film? Um of course, uh, my absolute favorite, the one that I quote all the time, is after there's the shipwreck, <laughs> and there's kind of like a little like river, and they're collecting all the horses and belongings, and Benny's like, O'Connell, hey, O'Connell, it looks to me like I've got all the horses, and Rick's like, hey, Benny, looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> <laughs> Just when he says that, it's what makes it so iconic. The river. It's just because Benny looks around, and he's like, oh. Fuck. <laughs> so good. Uh, I to me, here's where I think Rachel Vice really comes through because some of her lines could have been such throwaways, and yet in her banter with some of the characters, it's so good. Oh, like yeah. for example, there John Hanna plays her brother in this, so she and her brother are going to get Brendan Fraser's character, <laughs> Brendan Fraser's character because he's in jail. Mm-hmm. And it's because they had found this, you know, book or found this lost city and they're trying yeah. to figure it out. And <laughs> he made up the story or John Hannah made up the story about, you know, where they were going to obtain this information. So they oh, end up right. in this prison and she goes, you lied to me. And he goes, I, I lied to everyone. Yeah. And he goes, well, I'm your sister. That just makes you more gullible. Yeah. <laughs> Which is anyone with siblings knows 100% true. Oh, my God. Uh, speaking of more dynamics between Rick and Benny is I, I love when he finds him. He, uh, Rick finds Benny on the boat. And then he's like, well, if it ain't my little buddy Benny, I think I'll kill you. And Benny's like, think of my children. He's like, you don't have any children. He's like, someday I might. <laughs> Apparently, by the way, that was an improv line by uh, – uh, God, the actor that plays Benny. Oh, and, Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, Kevin yeah. O'Connell. Yeah. I guess Kevin J. O'Connell is yes. his official name. But uh, another one from Rachel Weiss that was great is at the end when Imhotep is, or towards the end, when Imhotep is trying to uh, take her for a sacrifice and oh, they're all mm-hmm. cornered by all the, you know, resurrected priests, you know, she goes, okay, I'm going to go with him. And they're like, no, no, no. And she goes, well, do you have any other ideas? He's like, uh, and, and she goes, well, think of something fast because if he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. Yes. 
which is exactly something I would say. Oh my god, I do. Also, I love um, when uh, this is. I think it's like right after Evelyn goes and saves Rick, and then she finds out he's been arrested for like gambling or something. He's like, I only gamble with my life, never my money. <laughs> I'm like somehow I, I completely understand that. <laughs> uh, also, this felt very '90s. There was it, it was one of the characters from the American archaeologist group when they were against, uh, where they were kind of rooting against Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go, "What do we have to worry about? They're led by a woman. What yeah. do women know?" <laughs> Classic Josh line. Um, also, I love when. When Evelyn's in the library and she's trying to get that book and she knocks over every fucking bookcase like a domino. And then um, Dr. Bay comes in and he's like, what? How? He's like, oh, look at this. He's like, sons of the pharaohs, give me frogs, flies, locusts, anything but you compared to you. The other plagues were a joy. And she's like, I'm so very sorry. It was an accident. He's like, my girl, when Ramesses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. You are a catastrophe. <laughs> I, I do love the follow up to that because he basically <laughs> questions why he even hires her. Yes. And she's like... Um, because I'm the only one that knows how to translate these texts. I yes. know how to speak the language. And I also, she's like, that's why you keep me around, because I basically know everything. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Oh, my God. Uh. I mean, this entire film is just filled with lines like that. I mean, the dialogue is absolutely fantastic. Like, I could quote this for days. I mean, I, go on and on. But, yeah, I think my favorite dynamics are definitely between, like, Evie and Rick. And then it's Evie and Jonathan and, like, Rick and Benny. Yeah. Like, those dynamics are the absolute best. That's where we get some of the best dialogue. I mean, guys, if you haven't watched this film, first of all, what the hell are you doing? For the past 24 years now? <laughs> yeah, it's been out for a long time. Yeah. Second of all, if you're on a, if, you know, you haven't watched this in a long time, I definitely recommend rewatching it. I recommend watching it every year, like me. I don't know. That's just yeah. personal preference. But yeah. any, any bits of trivia you want to share before we uh, give our rating? Oh, absolutely. Um, this is back in the 90s when film sets were just the wild, wild west. <laughs> and apparently Brendan Fraser did the hanging scene himself. And what? No. Yes. And what, what does that mean he did it himself? <laughs> I think that they had some sort of like... I think they had the noose around his neck, and I yeah. think he had um, probably a harness on. But I think they had applied some pressure from the noose to his neck because at one point he actually stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. Wait, on so set. They, are you saying they dropped him? I, yeah, I think when he was with the noose. I, yeah, I think like no, I think when he was like hanging there, because remember in the scene yeah, he's, he's basically there. being like strangled to death, yeah. and I think to achieve that, I think they actually had the noose That's pushed wild. up against his throat, even though he's wearing a harness. That's fucking wild. Um, we yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's like the nineties. I mean, this is. I mean, not to. No, no, that's crazy. Yeah. Also, I love the fact that Kevin J. O'Connor, who played Benny, went on set anytime he had a scene with a camel. The camels were so uncooperative, but only specifically with Kevin J. O'Connor and all the other actors, they end up actually using that in the film, which was a, a running gag that all of the animals hated Benny. And I just... That's amazing. <laughs> I find that absolutely hilarious. Um, some of the crazy things that they had to do, Patricia Vasquez's body paint took over four hours to apply. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, that... Uh, that- that was, was an insane I thought, like I said, body painting. Before you told me that, I, I think you said that. I thought it was a yes. body suit. I thought that's what it was. I thought it was just like some kind no, of suit. Full on body that's paint. That's crazy. Um, also, speaking of, Arnold Vosloo, who plays the mummy, when he did the scene where he was actually fully mummified in the wraps and he was being placed Ooh, in a sarcophagus. Bar- where he's buried? Ugh. Yes. He actually, that scene took over four hours to film. And because of how intricate the wraps were, he had to stay essentially mummified no. for all four hours no. and so he said it was absolutely terrifying which i'm like of course because you can't move your arms your yeah. legs you know you it's hard to breathe because his face is wrapped i'm like that's ugh, i i couldn't do it no, again wild wild west um also i love the fact that in order to keep the pg-13 rating the scene where evelyn uh, rachel vice's character when they're on the boat she's in a white nightgown and then she gets it wet apparently when they filmed it the nightgown became quite see-through oh my god and so they end up having to in post-production 
uh, recolor the nightgown to make it more opaque and so that you could not see directly through it. Like, um, guys, we can't give you the PG-13. Yeah, like, I think I see nips. Yeah. Um, so this is not it. <laughs> also, the library scene with the bookshelves fall was done in one take. Oh, that's insane. Absolutely See, That's what insane. I love about, like, types of movies like this because, I mean, it's those practical effects. They're not CGI'd. They're not, you know, they're they're done in a studio and they're filmed just as they are, you know, like that, which is. Yes. And it's something that where they they had to coordinate this so well because they're like, we do not want to reset all these fucking books <laughs> on all of these shelves. So, the, you know, this is probably took God knows how many days to make sure it was everything was. And you had to make sure as Rachel Vice, imagine all that happening. You know, you can't fuck imagine up. fucking up. Exactly. Like, like you have to be able to get it just uh, Right. And so, uh, yeah, again, it's just one of those things that I, I do kind of miss about films, you know, earlier films yeah. that we don't really see as much today. Yeah. Well, Jade, I think we already probably know, but where do you rate this film? <laughs> I mean, guys, it's a treasure, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, one more trash thing and then I'll get my rating. Okay. Interesting. Another shooting thing. Actually, uh, I just remembered. You know, he shoots at bugs at one point. Brendan Fraser shoots oh, the at, scarabs? at scarabs. Like a whole, there's like a sea of scarabs, and he's just shooting into the. Josh, scarabs. leave that man alone. He, he's what been... is he doing? He just, he's just, he's just shooting things. <laughs> this like... is all he knows. He's, he's been just... to war. <laughs> it's like, like it's just, he's like, there's sand. Shoot it. There are bugs. Shoot them. I'm like, you can't shoot like eight billion bugs. Like that is not not helping anyone. Like, I, what do you? What else do you want? He needs to feel some sense of control over the situation, yeah. and that sense of control he's therapy, is therapy. Like most people from the '90s. Like, well, yeah. 30s, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 30s. Well, 30s, 90s, 30s whatever. Is worse. Yeah. Oh, way worse. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I'll give this a treasure. You know, I, I would definitely watch this again. It's classic and it's prime Brendan Fraser. And oh my God, yeah. I mean, just seeing what he developed into. I, I, I am sad. The one thing I'm sad about having seen this and then seen the whale is all the years we missed out. <gasps> Thank you. On what could have been, should have been Oscar award winning Brendan Fraser. Absolutely. We missed out on his transition from kind of your classic, just action, goofy male lead into a more serious actor. And and I also, you know, I, I would love to see in those years of like aging and, and kind yeah. of becoming who he is today. Um, but so grateful that he did return and he did give us a performance like The Whale. So, so if you haven't, go see both movies. Go yes. see The Mummy and then go see The Whale. And watch The Mummy 2 and not The Mummy 3. <laughs> we are in serious trouble. On May 7th. Do you swim? If the occasion calls for it. Trust me, it calls for it. Universal Pictures invites you. His powers are growing. What? This just keeps getting better and better. To experience the adventure. It appears he's already chosen his human sacrifice. That will live forever. If he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. And once again, our movie was the classic The Mummy. You can actually watch it right now on, I watched it on Hulu. Hulu, yeah. Yeah, it's right now. So if you want to watch, I think they have the entire collection currently on there. I believe so, yeah. So you can watch Mummy, The Mummy Returns. Mm Mm-hmm the other tomb of the dragon emperor yeah (laughs) all the mummy movies that you want to watch yeah but uh jade this uh probably will be old news it'll be about two weeks old by the time this show comes out but since we're recording a little bit early but uh for those who don't know haven't been following some of the uh, more tragic industry news alec baldwin is getting charged in that uh case where he shot the cinema well there's controversy on who actually pulled the trigger, but on the set of the movie Rust, yes. uh, tragically, the cinematographer died after getting struck with a live round, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of dispute as to how that gun was fired, how it came to have live rounds in it, yes. and how it came to s- strike uh, the cinematographer, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently the uh, Santa Fe DA is going to... Um, charge them with uh, charge Alec Baldwin and the armorer yes with involuntary manslaughter and that can carry up to uh, apparently four years in prison and a $10,000 fine so it's still fairly serious charge absolutely I mean we'll see when the actual sentencing takes place what they decide um, Alec will serve but um, well actually I think they still need to do the trial because I think they're just bringing charges they're just just bringing charges not even the trial stage yet I thought we were in a trial but I think what happened I think they were postponed because of 
COVID? I think it no? got postponed, but I also don't think that the... I think they were still doing investigations That's at that right. point. Because there's so many people involved yeah. who initially essentially could have been at fault. But I think there's already been a civil suit filed. So I think yes. we have seen Alec Baldwin deposed already and yes. do- doing some interviews. So Well, there's been multiple suits filed by different people against different people on that set. It yeah. sounds like it's kind of a hot mess. From other things that I read, it seems like the series of events was that the armorer who had brought the gun in, which, of course, now is in question how he live round, mm-hmm. entered the studio a lot. Um, apparently, the assistant director was the one who retrieved the gun and handed it to Alec Baldwin, letting him know that it was a cold gun. And Alec actually was not supposed to even fire the gun in the scene. He was only meant to draw the weapon um, and decided to himself fire it. So there's a lot of things in question that comes into play of like, why did you choose to fire that gun? Like typically on sets, you only fire when you're supposed to fire. Also, you know, you are at the end of the day ultimately responsible for checking the gun yourself if you're going to have it. But also, again, why was there a live round? Why did the AD grab it? So many things that are going into this. So looking forward to the trial and and what they um, ultimately uncover. I will say one of the things, I mean – you know, we can go around and around and, and try to pass blame because that's what everyone's going to yeah, do on this. Yeah, that's all they're doing right and now. <laughs> we weren't there. But one of the things I can, I will say is, you know, in reading uh, this story a lot, especially when it happens, reading the news articles, reading some of the accounts and interviews that have been done, there's something to be said. Like, the, the film community itself is a very tight-knit community, and a lot mm-hmm. of them don't shit on each other because you rely on those people to get other jobs, recommendations, yeah. word of mouth, yeah. that kind of thing. And I will say, a, not just one, it's not even just been two, it's been multiple people have come out from the set and basically said, safety in general yes. was on the back burner. Yeah, So absolutely. it seems like there are a lot of folks who are responsible for this, because it didn't just sound like, oh, this is the, the one gun incident. was the one incident. Yep. It sounded like there were a lot of questionable incidents mm-hmm. that led up to this ultimate tragedy. Yeah, through different interviews, a couple of the crew members have said that costs were cut on this film, and mm-hmm. that was one of the areas that they kind of decided to cut or like work around, essentially. And I think, ultimately, you know, we saw the consequences of that. So I think people, too, who, you know, maybe haven't been in film or are really, you know, study it as much as we do or yeah, really yeah. watch it. Like, you know, you think you're like, oh, well, that was probably CGI'd or like, oh, they're never in any real danger. Like, there are a lot of things that can happen that are going on in a film set that Absolutely. can be dangerous if you're not paying attention. And that's yeah. and I'm not just even saying stunts. I'm like, there's a lot of moving equipment going on. There's oh. a lot of things that you ask actors to do yeah. or even having lights hung a certain way. Well, there's actors who have multiple times almost lost their lives and even the smallest of stunts. I mean, yeah. obviously we just spoke about Brendan Fraser having to be resuscitated after being hanged. Uh, Scott Speedman, when he did a stunt in Underworld, he had to break through a door, basically almost had a piece of the shard of wood that actually broke off from the real door almost go through his neck. Yeah. I mean, real I mean, risks. I mean, no true Lord of the Rings fan. I mean, this is a much Ugh. smaller incident. It can, can talk about Lord of the Rings without talking about Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he broke his toe when he was, you know, kicking the helmet in that famous scene with all the, you know, yeah. orc biles, uh, bodies uh, piled up. Uh, once when they were just doing a simple sparring scene, not even one of the major sp- fight scenes. Yeah. Uh, one of the other actors swung a sword, knocked a tooth out of his mouth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, in the same movie, when you look at uh, Samwise or, uh, you know, Sean Astin's character, he when he was walking out the beach uh, after Frodo in the first Fellowship movie, he actually in the sand in the in the water stepped on like this. I forget if it was a rock or a piece of wood, but it went through his entire foot. They actually had he was in the middle of nowhere. They had to airlift him to a hospital in New <laughs> Zealand because they were like, "Holy shit!" Like he couldn't walk. Yeah, he, he was ble- like bleeding profusely, and they're like, yeah. "Holy shit!" Like what do we do? Like, things like, happen on set. Yeah, I but- mean, most famously, a big a. a- tragic death as Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow. Yeah. And that was another misfiring of a gun that I think it was like, I think it was a blank, but something happened with the blank that I think a shard or something went through Brandon Lee. And That's right. Yeah. He, I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to complete, it was a blank. Yeah, yeah. And they had to complete the film with actually another actor after his death. I mean, and for those who don't know, that's also Bruce Lee's son. So, I mean, absolutely but tragic. But in that case, you know, more so when you're looking at a case like that, I mean, not to say I know the whole story, so please don't, don't yeah. take everything, but I mean, 
from what I've read of that story, mm-hmm. that was a tragic accident when safeguards were, were being adhered to. Yeah. This sounds like Yeah. This is this is all it sounds like negligence. Yeah. That's uh, it, that's my opinion negligence. on this entire thing. It just seems Absolutely. like negligence, someone's at fault and maybe multiple people to be honest. I think are multiple at fault. people, yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, well, uh, I'm glad we ended the show with that. That's uh, very is so happy. But, very chipper. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk about uh, our upcoming episode. Maybe that'll uh, put us in better spirits. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing uh, another mini sode because uh, I'll still be out of town. Just yes. I'll be flying back actually during that huh. whole incident. So I'll be maybe uh, maybe yeah. be able to download this for the plane uh, coming back. Sure. But uh, Jade, you actually had a great idea for a little mini sode that I hadn't thought about since we were talking <laughs> about the Mummy. Yes. We're in the Universal world of films. Jesus is another movie that I I literally forgot existed. That oh Tom God. Cruise did a mummy movie? Yes, they decided to remake the mummy film in 2017 starring Tom Cruise and Sofia Batella alongside Jake Johnson and uh Annabelle I think Wallace. She's uh, from Peaky Blinders. Oh yeah. Um and uh this was eventually supposed to kick off what they were calling the dark universe by universal studios where they were going to resurrect all of their horror movie monsters and kind of create almost like their own marvel cinematic universe but with monsters um but since the poor reception of the mummy 2017 they decided to kibosh the entire dark universe so we're gonna dive into that i have a lot of opinions just watching the trailer (laughs) it's unbelievable and like i said this movie was so forgettable that i forgot it even came out and when you showed it to me when you were oh my god yeah when you said what do you mean there's a a movie tom cruise i didn't know that was real i was like you're joking right if you would show me that trailer and tell me that it was a spoof i would have believed you Uh, we'll get more into it next episode yeah well uh jade where can folks find us between now and uh, the next episode so you can follow us on our socials we are on facebook tiktok twitter and instagram as our taste is trash you can also find us on our website our taste is trash.com come back next week for our take on the universal dark universe come back to get ourselves a treat